You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. This morning I want to talk to you about something that some of you may experience, some of you might not experience, but it's called burnout. If you've ever experienced burnout, you know what it means to like be exhausted by life and by the things that are going on in the world. There's times that you might hit that wall where you feel like you're doing pretty good for the most part, and then you kind of come to a place where you feel like you can't go on or can't go any further. So I want to talk to you about that today. I want to talk about overcoming burnout as well. Now, what is burnout? You say, well, okay, well, I I know what burnout is, but how is it defined? And according to psychologists, burnout is when you perform at a high level until stress and tension especially from an extreme and prolonged physical and mental exertion or an overburdening workload take their toll. According to the APA, burnout is most experienced by those in the service industry. So if you're a teacher or a social worker, if you work in customer service, you might experience burnout. It can also be experienced by those who treat trauma, people who work with people and counsel them through difficulties, such as uh, therapists or counselors, they can experience burnout too. Even among pastors, there are those that can experience burnout when they are uh, trying to continually help people and they deal with not only their own stress in that situation, but the stress of others and walking them through that journey of trial. If you want to know what the symptoms of burnout are, we're kind of going to go over seven of them right here so that you know. Now, this is from the Mayo Clinic in Massachusetts. They have seven signs of burnout. And maybe you might think to yourself, I'm not feeling burnt out, but perhaps you can relate to some of these signs of burnout. The first one is exhaustion. You feel physically, mentally, and emotionally weak or low energy, and you have difficulty starting your day. You have trouble sleeping. You might find it difficult to fall asleep and stay asleep. You have difficulty concentrating. You have a hard time on focusing on the task or remembering important things. Another sign of burnout is a cynical attitude. You have given up on anything good coming out of your situation. And there's a lack of enthusiasm, not only for your work, but also your life as well. Another sign of this is you you become critical of those around you. Another sign is irritability. You easily lose patience with the people you come in contact with, whether they're customers, coworkers, or family members. Things get under your skin very easily. Now, we've all had that, okay? There's all been times where we've gotten a little irritable with people, but if you are always irritable, then you may be dealing with burnout. A lack of satisfaction. You feel unhappy with your job. You feel unhappy with your progress in life. You might even feel like you're a failure, that you've fallen short of where you hope to be, and you might feel hopeless about the future. Another sign of burnout is dependency. You eat, drink, or use drugs, or use things to help you self-medicate or help you to escape to the degree that it's interfering with your daily functions. 
Now, believe it or not, even God's people can experience burnout. Listen to what the psalmist writes in Psalm 61, verses 1 and 2. He says, Hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. The NIV says, when my heart grows faint. And it shows us that sometimes people that, even people that serve God, who love God, who wrote one of the most inspirational books of the Bible, the Psalms, that there's people even there that say, you know what, I'm overwhelmed and I need God's strength and I need to find his rock to be able to climb onto and climb out of my circumstance and my situation. Believe it or not, despite what you might think about the Bible, there are people that are stressed out and burnt out by life's experiences. But God doesn't want you to be burned out. He wants you to be on fire for Him. I'll say it again. God doesn't want you to be burnt out. He wants you to stay on fire for Him. Let's take a moment and pray before we get into our points today. So, God, we thank you that you see us where we are. Thank you that you know when we are at the end of our rope, when we are feeling overwhelmed. Lord, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, a mind to comprehend, and a heart to respond to your word. Holy Spirit, give us a revelation of the Father's will in our heart and life and help us to understand it, comprehend it, and receive it today. Jesus name. Amen. There are four things that can help you to overcome burnout. Let's take a look at them together. The first one is to balance your work with your worship. Balance your work with your worship. Now, I love old pocket watches. Sometimes people joke around with me that I'm like an old man and a young man's body sometimes because I just love them. I have a collection of old pocket watches. They're 112 years old. And the way an old pocket watch works and ticks and runs is there's something called a balance staff in it. And in that balance staff, there's a little wheel that goes back and forth. And that little wheel going back and forth moves the second hands, and the second hands move the minute hands and keeps proper time. If the balance is broken, the balance is off, it stops running, and is no longer functional. Balance is important for walking. If you've ever had a cold or if you've ever had an ear infection, you recognize that you might get up from your bed and recognize that you're a little off balance, that uh, if the fluid in your ears are messed up, that you could take a couple steps and stumble and fall. Something as important as balance is important for you to be able to stand on your own two feet and get around. If your life is out of balance, then you will not be able to stand and you won't be able to walk through life and you won't be able to walk with the Lord. Perhaps you've heard of work-life balance. This is a work-worship balance. The question you must ask yourself, are you doing too much? And ask yourself the question, what is within your ability to control, change, what you can change. Listen, we work more than we worship. 
We do this because sometimes we need to work to make ends meet. But your spiritual life is just as important as your physical life. Jesus asked in Matthew 5, when talking about worry, he says, Is not your life more than food? And isn't the body more than clothes? Then trust God and do not worry about these things. We have to take our focus off the constant stress of work in order to actually enjoy the life that you're working for. There is no point whatsoever to work yourself to death to have a better life if you cannot enjoy that life. There has to be moments in which you are able to enjoy it for what you're doing. We need worship. And I'm not just talking about singing. But worship is honoring God and acknowledging God in everything that you do. Worship is, is about doing things that honor the Lord and spending time with them. As in our times of prayer, in times of reading, in times of meditation, in times of serving, in times of coming together and being in fellowship, those things are also worship. But if your life has no part of worship, there's no worship happening in your life. Where God is not a part of your daily routine, then you, you, your life is out of balance. If we don't include God in everything we do, then we'll find work and life draining and unrewarding. Psalm 42, 1 and 2 says this, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? The psalmist, the writer, talks about how difficult his life has been but then talks about how much he longs to get together and meet with God. And after a particularly tough week, do you feel that way? Do you look forward to the time where you can go and meet with God? The psalmist says that, you know, life overwhelmed me. I, I, I resented the fact that the wicked prosper and the righteous seem like they're failing and they have difficulties all the time. He said, until I entered the sanctuary and understood their fate. There's something about coming and worshiping God together that helps reset your perspective so you can see things the right way. Do you look forward to spending time with God like the psalmist looks forward to meeting with God? Finding time and a place to worship helps break up your week and gives you something to look forward to. When you do this and meet with God, it can change so much of the way you view things. So have a good work-worship balance. The second thing is take time to rest and reflect. Take time to rest and reflect. We are sometimes uh, so busy in life, but I will challenge you with this thought that busy does not always mean productive. You can be busy doing busy work that accomplishes nothing. Just because you are busy doing a lot of things doesn't mean that you're doing those things well. You could be doing those things in a kind of a mediocre fashion or even poorly because you've made your life so busy that you can't devote your attention to any one thing in a good way. So we need to take time to rest and reflect. When God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis tells us he made it in six days and on the seventh day, God rested, and 
God didn't rest because he was tired. He didn't rest because the work of creating the universe was so much that he got physically exhausted. But rather he stopped, rested, and reflected upon what he had just done. And one of the things that you'll hear throughout the creation account of the first six days, he said on, at the end of each day, he looked at it and he said, this is good. He looked at those things and he celebrated it. Are you celebrating those moments? Or is it just a blur of that one activity to the next? Focus on the good that you've done and focus on the ways that God has been good to you and it can be a welcome encouragement from the frustrations of life. Listen, sometimes as we're busy and we do different things and we're so uh, stressed and pressed on every side, whether it be your work or your family, that you don't take time to recognize the good. What have you accomplished? What have you done? Did you knock some things off your to-do list? Did you get some very important things that need to be done accomplished? Did you meet the deadline for a particular project? Did you finish your schoolwork? Did you do well on a test? Sometimes we're just going, I thank God that's over, and now you're immediately focused on the next thing. Take a moment, pause, and say, thank you, God, you brought me through that. Thank you, God, that we accomplished that. That thing was really good. Focus on the good and rest and reflect upon it. When it seems like life is busy, take a moment to pause and pray. Sometimes it's good even to wait in silence before the Lord. Lamentations 3, 25 through 32, we oftentimes are very quick to, that when our time is uh, spent with the Lord, we're filling up the conversation. It's like talking to someone who is not interested in what you have to say. You ever had a conversation with someone who dominates the conversation? that you could let them go and they could talk for a half hour and if you didn't say anything at all, they wouldn't notice. Perhaps you've been on the, those phone conversations where you're like, okay, uh-huh, yep. And they just keep rolling along and keep going. I wonder how many times our conversation with God is like that. Panic-filled conversations to the Lord and as though he doesn't know what's going on there. There has to be two sides to this conversation with the Lord. Sometimes it's good to just be quiet in God's presence, to quiet your mind, quiet your thoughts, and quiet your speech. Lamentations 3, Jeremiah writes this. He says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone and keep silent because God has laid it on him. Let him put his mouth or his face in the dust, yet there may be hope. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes him and be full of reproach because the Lord will not cast off forever, verse 31. And verse 32, though he causes grief, he will show compassion according to the multitude of of his mercies. Do you get the, the picture of that verse there? It says, the Lord is good to those who wait on him and to the soul that seeks him. There are times where it's just good to sit and wait on the Lord and to listen to him. 
Because it's easy for us to ask questions, God, what is it? What am I doing wrong? What am I not doing wrong? Instead, And sometimes we're trying to figure it out. And in the process of us trying to figure it out, God's saying, if you would just be quiet for a minute, I would tell you what's wrong. I would tell you what's going on. I would tell you what you need and what you need to do. We need to sit and listen to him. And honestly, sometimes that's hard for us. Just as a perfect example of this, have you ever been in the room with someone and conversation's just not happening? So one of us sometimes feels obligated to move the conversation along. We're not comfortable with quiet in social interactions. It makes us uncomfortable. It makes us feel awkward. We feel like someone needs to say or do something. But in reality, when we're spending time with God, we are spending time with God whether a conversation is happening or not. Part of the reason why we can't hear his voice is because we are too distracted to listen to him. We must submit to the Lord and remember that he's God and we're not. Present yourself in a place to hear from the Lord even if what he says might be hard to hear. Take time to listen. But take time to rest as well. Do you know that Jesus slept? We have, you know, we read through the Gospels, Jesus is asleep in a boat. You know, he is fully God, but fully human as well. He's tired from the day, and he falls asleep in a boat that's in a storm, and the disciples are shaking him and trying to wake him. I don't know if Jesus was a really sound sleeper, or you're just resting in the peace of God's presence. But like the middle of a storm is going on. Jesus is asleep in the boat. And the disciples had to wake him up like, don't you care if we're going to drown? We're going to drown. Do something. Jesus wakes up and he, he rebukes the storm very calmly and, and just corrects them for their lack of faith and their continual worry. But Jesus slept. He rested and he withdrew from people when the day had been long and he needed to spend time with his heavenly father, Luke 5, 15, and 16, talks about the multitudes coming to Jesus. Jesus had just spent the entire day healing and ministering to people. And, you know, as he healed people, he said, hey, listen, don't, don't tell anybody else about what I'm doing here, okay? Just keep this to yourself. And you know that just didn't happen, right? People were just like, you know, Jesus is here and he's healing. And a huge crowd showed up to hear from Jesus, and there would be times where the disciples say, you know, everyone's looking for you. And Jesus said, let's go somewhere else. <laughs> everyone's looking for you, Jesus. Let's go somewhere else. Let's, let's get away from this place, right? And it says here in verses 15 and 16, when the multitude uh, gathered and they came to be healed by him of their sickness, it says in verse 16, he often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Some translations say that Jesus often withdrew into lonely places to pray. There is no one more busy than Jesus. That's why when, when you give me an excuse you're too busy, I don't buy it, okay? I don't. Because you're not as busy as Jesus was. Jesus was always someone was looking for Jesus. Jesus could not go anywhere without a crowd following him or wanting to be with him. But yet Jesus gives us the example of he still spent time with God. He still spent time with his father. He still knew that it was necessary to be alone with the Lord and to refresh and be renewed. Sometimes there's times you need to withdraw from people and the busyness of life 
and spend time alone with God. There's two types of rests that you can take here, short rest and long rest. The short rests are times that we take during the day to spend time alone with the Lord. It's those five minutes at the beginning of the day or those ten minutes before the end of the day or maybe on your lunch break and taking that time to just reflect and think and pray with nothing else going on around you. Then there are long periods of rest called sabbaticals, and they can be a period of months before a person returns to work. Now, not many of us can take sabbaticals where we're gone for months on end, but you can take periods of rest. Uh, Some of us have vacation time. If you go on vacation, don't just fill your vacation time full of activities. I know for me, I am guilty of this. Whenever we go on vacation, I'm so glad to be on vacation, and I have a schedule and a list of things I would really enjoy doing. And my wife's like, can't we just enjoy our vacation without having to check off boxes, without having to go places and do things? And I'm the opposite. I'm like, let's, I want to be able to say, like, you know, when you were a kid and you came back from summer vacation, and they always had that first week of elementary school, and they sat you down, and it's like, now, everyone write an essay what you did on your summer vacation. I wanted to be able to check off things. Like, I went here, I did that, we did this. And my wife's like, just enjoy vacation. Vacation means we don't do anything. We get away from everything. Now, we take our time off and we say to ourselves, I'm going to fill this time with things I want to do. And you know what happens when you come back from the end of vacation? You dread going back to work. Like, oh my gosh, vacation's over. I can't, can't believe we're going back to work. Listen, you're gone for two weeks, man. Chill out. It's like, all right, you have, to, you have to go back to work at some point in time. But what if you looked at your vacation and said, you know, I'm going to rest, be renewed, and I'm going to intentionally spend time with God or take time for God. I know my time's away from, from living hope when I go on vacation and we get away from everything that's going on, and I get a chance to rest and renew and, and to maybe read a book or to pray or to spend some time alone, I come back with a new sense of enthusiasm. The times of rest in our life are there so that when we are removed from that, we can refocus and recenter and go back to things with a new enthusiasm. Choose to have God be part of your routine. Choose intentional periods of rest and renewal and reflection that you can wait on the Lord. That might mean you have to get up a little earlier in the day before your day starts. It may mean that you have to go to bed a little earlier at night and you spend a little time before you go to bed. We all have time in the day. We all have the same amount of hours in our week. A third thing you can do is prioritize what is important. Pausing to rest and reflect can help you see what's truly important. When you are burned out, you can actually become detached from the things that you're responsible for, even to the point of avoiding them. You know, how many bills are sitting on your uh, counter right now that you need to call about? How many things that you need to do? You need to call your mother, call your father, take care of your grandfather that you're putting off because you just burn out and you don't think you can handle one more thing. When we rest and reflect, we can reconnect with the things that are really important. 
There are things that the scriptures consider important that we don't often give importance to. Like we think to ourselves, well, it's important that we live right, we say the right things, we do the right things, but sometimes we neglect the things that the scriptures say are very important. Things like your marriage. I don't know if you recognize this, but marriage was one of the first institutions that God created after creation. When the job of tending creation was too much for Adam, he created Eve. Let's be honest, okay? Let's look at the story. It says when it was too much for Adam, God created Eve to help him run the show. You were never meant, guys, you were never meant to try and run the show yourself. Ladies, you were never meant to run the show yourself. God created you to be together, not just to have your own relationship with God and you just kind of do your own thing, but that you were to be together because life is a big enough job to try and take care of the both, both of you to take care at the same time. They were both together to steward God's creation. Life goes better when you and your spouse work together. The world goes better when you and your spouse work together. Another scriptural priority is family. There are people in your family that depend on you, whether it's for your da- their daily provisions, whether you need to feed them, whether you need to give them instruction, guidance, or encouragement. Focusing on your family is one of the priorities of scripture. 1 Timothy 3 even goes so far that the Apostle Paul writes Timothy and says, if you want to have deacons or elders in your church or overseers of the church, here is one of the litmus tests. If they manage their own family well. Can they manage their family well? Can they manage, uh, are their children worthy of respect? Is their own household in order? If they, can, if they can manage their family well, then they can be charged with God's church. But if they can't manage their own family well, then they are not ready to help run God's church. That's an incredibly sobering realization. That your first responsibility is your family. Your first congregation is your family. Long before you ever stand behind a pulpit or teach behind a podium, your first responsibility is your family. When burnout says... What's the point? And that's something that burnout does. It makes you say, well, what's the point? Why do I bother? What's the point of all this? Pause and remember who and what you're doing it for. If you are working to get out of debt, remember that's what you're working for. If you're expending your energy so you can have a brighter future, remember the goals that you've set for yourself and strive towards those goals. If you're working a job for your family, remind yourself it's for your family and they're worth it. Yes, I understand that your grown adult children can be ungrateful sometimes. Yes, I understand sometimes that people in your family don't appreciate what you do. But are they worth it or not worth it? And I think in a moment of truth, you would say, yes, that person is worth it. I'm doing it not for me. I'm doing it for them, and one day I'll be able to retire, but for the here and now, I'm doing it for their benefit, even if they don't see it or appreciate it. If you're working in ministry and the job becomes draining, remind yourself of who you are doing it for. You are doing it for the people that need the Lord, the people that need to be discipled, the people who need to grow, the people that need to be saved, the people that need to be healed. They need him. What will happen if you're not there for them? Who will show them the way? They need Jesus and they need you. 
You know who else you are doing it for when you serve in ministry? You're doing it for the Lord. Sometimes when we serve God in different things, you might say, well, uh, you know, only a few people showed up to my Bible study. Only a few people showed up to my home group. What's the point? You're doing it for them, but remember that you're doing it for the Lord. And when we're burnt out, sometimes we can lose sight of the fact, who is it for? Why are we doing it? What is it for? And we're doing it for people that matter, and we're doing it for the Lord. And if we keep that in view, then it'll help us greatly. It matters to God. Remember who you're doing it for, even when it gets discouraging. Keep the people and God at the center of what you're doing it for, and it'll help keep you focused. Finally, when you feel burnt out and you feel like your passion to fire has gone out, add fuel to the fire. Add fuel to your fire. Being on fire for God is a good thing, but it can keep you busy. So busy, in fact, that if you are not continually refreshing yourself, your fire can go out. Because when a fire burns bright, it burns hot. It gives light and warmth to everyone around. But one thing that needs to be noticed here is that fire consumes resources very quickly. Wood burns in a fire fast. But in order to keep that fire going, you need to keep adding fuel to the fire. Listen, don't try to continue in your... You're listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. Flesh, what God started by His Spirit. Don't try and continue in the flesh something that God started by His Spirit. What I mean by that is like God can motivate you by His Spirit in times of prayer to do things and then you're off like a shot and you're doing so many things but you haven't stopped. You haven't paused. You haven't been refreshed or renewed. So much so that what you're doing for God is now exhausting you. It's wearing you out. It's getting you tired it's getting you frustrated. You've got to keep the fire burning. With any fire, you have to watch it. You have to maintain it. Sometimes you have to poke it at times. If you have a fire in your fireplace or at home, or if you have a fire that you gather around a, a little fire pit outside, you understand that eventually the fire will burn down to the coals and you need to throw something else on there to keep it going. You can't get by on yesterday's blessings. You can't rest on yesterday's anointing. You need fresh fire from the Lord. Being on fire from the Lord will burn out unless you continually fuel or refuel your fire. Sometimes the Holy Spirit motivates to do something, and then we try and do it all in our own strength as though that's what God wanted you to do. Yes, you feel motivated. You feel called to do something. But God didn't expect you to do it all in your own strength. What he wants you to do is he wants you to partner with him to accomplish the goal that he has given you to do. To accomplish the calling that he's given you to do. If you think for a moment that you could do it in your own strength, you've missed the entire point to begin with. Because he's like, I want you to do this with me and for me. Don't miss the second part. Don't simply focus on that second part without paying attention to the first part. He says, I want you to do it for me. Okay, God, I'm going to do it for you. Here I go. I'm going to do it for you. But do it with me. And if you do it with the Lord, you will never run out of fire. 
because he is the one who gives the fire. He's the one who provides the fire. He's the one that renews the fire within us. If you do it with him and for him, he'll keep going and you won't wear out. Sometimes we get busy doing the work of the Lord and we forget the Lord of the work. We have to remind ourselves to stop trying to do things in our strength and do it in God's strength. The difference is it's not our spirit that brings about change. Hear me, church. It's not your spirit that brings change. It's the Holy Spirit that brings about change. It's not your passion, your charisma, or fervor that brings about change. It is God's spirit at work in you and through you that brings about change in people's lives. So if you haven't spent time with God, guess what? It's going to show. You'll just keep doing it out of rote. You'll keep doing it out of habit instead of doing it in God's spirit. You can't draw water from an empty well. If that well is empty, you can't pull anything out to bless somebody. Romans 12, 11 says this, Don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit serving the Lord. Don't let your zeal for God run out, but be fervent in spirit serving the Lord. In other words, we're encouraged to keep that fire going. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7, he encouraged Timothy to fan into flame the gift of God that was placed within Timothy by the laying on of Paul's hands. In other words, it's like this. It's like if I were to hand you a candle, I said, here's a candle. Your job is to make sure the candle doesn't go out. If I were to hand you like a little thing, that, that a little lamp that had oil in it, it was burning a flame, we understand too that, uh, you know, in biblical times, the only way that flame kept going is if you added oil to it and you kept refinishing it, kept, kept refueling it. So it's up to us that as we carry it around, it's been given to us, it's up to us to keep that going. If you have a fire at home, you know, you try and fan that thing into flame again. You blow on it, and you see the coals and the embers, they start to, to flicker, and they start to glow again, and then you add some more fuel on it, and then it starts to burn once more. You have to take care of it and steward it. What are some things that you can do to refuel your fire? Sometimes all you need is fresh inspiration and fresh motivation. You know, we are people of habit, and one of the things we like to do is we like to go back to things that we like or things that we've done. We don't often like new things. But to find fresh inspiration and motivation means that you have to mix things up a little bit so that you can be uh, find encouragement, find excitement, to find inspiration once again. Sometimes you need to listen to a different Bible teacher than the teacher you've always listened to. Go to a conference. Be encouraged there. Read your Bible in a different translation. Find a new worship artist or album to listen to. Find some, spend some time in a small group with other people. Fellowship with other believers who will challenge you and inspire you. You'll be amazed what God can do in those times when you spend time with other believers that will challenge you and inspire you. And yes, they might call you out on things. But it's like, okay, I, I'm motivated. There's times when you're get together with a small group that sometimes the other people, there's that positive peer pressure that happens. Where it's like, I better get this thing done. Otherwise, I'm going to look bad. 
Everybody else in this group has done this assignment. Everybody else has shared something, but I haven't shared anything. Or everybody else has been there from week to week, and I haven't been there. There's a good positive peer pressure that happens when we are building one another up in our faith. You've got to allow God to refuel that fire in you, but you have to steward it. And the way you do it is you try and add some inspiration and motivation to your life. You know, the scriptures talk about that we sh- should spur one another on to love and good works. You'll be surprised how much this will enliven your walk with God. You know, for us as Christians, we have to remember, too, that it's very easy for the fire to go out. But scripture tells us time and time again that, you know, we can fan it to flame the fire that's within us, the gift that's within us, to stir the coals once again, to to. Uh, be able to bring that fire back up to a, a place of burning once more. Remember, it's the Lord that gives us the fire. He's the one that lights the offering. He's the one that, that anoints the sacrifice. So understand that if we are presenting ourselves to the Lord as living sacrifices, as we are giving of ourselves, God will give us the fire we need. But we have to take care of it. Find ways to refuel your fire. Fall in love with Jesus again. Instead of getting caught up in all the other things that the world is talking about, instead of getting focused, hyper-fixated on the things that are in your life that are not right, fall in love with the Lord once more and get close to Him again and let Him guide you and direct you and lead you according to His Spirit. This morning I can't help but wonder, are you burnt out? Are you feeling overwhelmed. It means you've given of yourself, but you have to be able to take care of yourself. It's kind of like this uh, saying that counselors will offer, often tell you, is that just like when you're on a plane, one of the things they tell you is that before you put the oxygen mask on anybody else, make sure you put it on yourself. And the idea is this, is that you can't help anybody else out if you are not able to, if you're not in a place where you can help. If you're not conscious, if you're not able, you can't help anybody else out. And for our own life, too, you can't encourage somebody if you don't have encouragement in you. You can't assist somebody if you don't have the energy or strength to do it. You can't help your family. You can't bless your family. You can't lead your family if you don't have the energy and strength or if you've just given up all hope. God needs to put within you the hope. Of, of Christ in you, the, the love and desire of God in you once again. So I wonder if we can just bow our head and close our eyes for just a moment and be honest with yourself and with the Lord. Are you feeling burnt out? Maybe you are serving your family and you are doing a tremendous job. You've been faithful to take care of them. Maybe you have an aged loved one that you've been taking care of or maybe you have someone in your home that can't take care of themselves, and you've been there faithfully, week in, week out, morning, evening, and night, and you've been there to help that person. But sometimes that can be tiring and exhausting. If you are helping your family, and you've tried to help your family through addiction, or if you've tried to walk people through struggles in their life, maybe you have a son or daughter that can't keep a, or hold a job down, and you keep trying to help them, both financially and also with with job interviews. You've been driving them back and forth and nothing seems to open up for you. You're feeling overwhelmed. You're feeling exhausted. There's people that depend on you, but you feel like you're burnt out. 
this morning, if you feel like you're burnt out because of family, raise your hand. And I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? I'm burnt out on family. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Put your hand back down. God's going to give you the strength to keep ministering to your family. He's going to give you the love that you need for your family so you keep doing that. Maybe today you can say to yourself, you know, I'm burnt out on my job. My job does not appreciate me. They are just running me into the ground, and I just feel exhausted at every turn, and I just don't want to do this anymore. I, I've even, I've been so discouraged by my workplace. I, I went there full of joy and enthusiasm. I had a, a desire and a dream when I got into this line of work that it was going to be different than it is right now. And now you're in it, and you're like, I absolutely hate it, and I can't even get myself out of the house in the morning because you're so burnt out. You've been so disappointed and discouraged by everything that's happened in your workplace that you just don't even want to do it anymore. If you're burnt out on your workplace, raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? We're going to pray in just a minute, but the Lord wants to encourage you today that you can keep going. The last question is this. Are you burnt out on life and God? Maybe your passion for the Lord burned bright. Maybe you look at your younger version of yourself, the, the new Christian version of yourself, and you recognize how full of faith you were and full of passion you were, and now you see yourself and you're kind of discouraged and frustrated by where you're at now. You don't have that drive. You don't have that desire. You feel like you've kind of settled and become comfortable and complacent. And you want the fire of God at work in your heart and life once more. You say, you know, I want to be passionate for the Lord, but I've been burnt out on life, and I need God to give me his fire once more. If that's where you're at, say, that's me, Pastor. Raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Then let's pray together. Let's trust God together. God is the one who gives us fire. I pray that God will awaken us once more to understand his love can we do that today? Let's take a moment and pray. Let's trust him right now. So, Lord, we look to you. God, we thank you, Lord, that you are the one who renews the weary, who gives strength to the weak, Lord, who restores the broken. God, there's people who have been giving of themselves their heart and soul to help those around. But, Lord, they feel like they're at the end of their energy and the end of their, their rope. And, Lord, I pray today for those who have been helping family who feel just burnt out, Lord. Would you strengthen them? Give them a heart for their family once more. Help them to see how much they need them. And, Lord, I pray that they would be able to see that and say, I'm going to do that for them, and I'm going to do it as a service unto the Lord. I pray for those that are in jobs where they feel overwhelmed and frustrated. God, I pray that you would just inspire one, them once again for their work or open a door for a new opportunity for them. Help them to be able to pause and reflect. Show them the way and what they are to do in this situation. Help them to know, Lord God, that you will guide and direct them if, you put, if they put you first in every decision they make. Lord, I pray that you would just revolutionize their workplace through them. Give them a fresh perspective. Lord, I pray for those that love you and serve you, but Lord, it feels like it's growing, their love has grown cold or 
their fire's gone out. Lord, you are still the same God that you were when they were first saved or even when they were more passionate about you six months ago. Lord, you're the same God. You have not changed. Lord, we're the ones that have changed. I pray that you would give them fresh inspiration, fresh motivation, a fresh touch of your spirit, and a fresh anointing to serve you. Lord, you haven't left them to themselves, but Lord, you're going to help them. So Lord, would you come? Would you intervene? We invite you into this place to move on hearts and lives. And Lord, I pray from this day forward, would they see things differently and see life through your eyes. We ask this, Lord, in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.